0: The Bible assures us in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Welcome to Faith to Faith. Here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Braden interman.
1: Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into the program again today. Braden and I are delighted to have your company. And just as we start our study today, we just invite you to join us for prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we just commit ourselves to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can open it and study it. And we just pray for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit to lead us in our study and understanding, our love and appreciation for you. May this grow, Father. May we grow in grace as we see your goodness and your love for each one of us is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, last time in the program, we spoke about the Apostle Paul and the difficulties and privations that he went through. I mean, this man suffered so much for the word of the Lord and preaching the gospel. But he wrote there in Romans chapter 8 and verse 37 that through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We also have an example in the Reformation, this mighty man who wrote this song, A Mighty Fortress. And I'm talking about Martin Luther. This hymn was written around 1527, 1529, somewhere around there. And I just want to read the words because this is also an anthem of victory. It is. You know, it acknowledges our mighty foe, but at the same time it acknowledges that we are conquerors through Christ. And it talks about God being a a bulwark, a fortress for us. And the first verse there says, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper here amid the flood Of mortals' ills prevailing For still our ancient foe Doth seek to work us woe His craft and power are great He doesn't play down the power of the enemy But he puts the enemy's power in the right context In comparison with the power of Christ And of course there's there's no comparison It says for still our ancient foe Doth seek to work us woe His craft and power are great And armed with cruel hate We preach the love of Christ But he is armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. And then verse 2 says, Did we in our own strength confide? We certainly did not. Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The right man, of course, is Jesus Christ, the man of God's own choosing. Thus ask who this may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord, sub his name. From age to age the same. He must win the battle. Now, looking at verse 3 And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath world his truth to triumph through us. The Prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. And then, looking at the last verse. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth the spirit and the gift are ours through him who with us sideth, let good and kindred go, his mortal life also the body they may kill God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is ever. So what a beautiful hymn of victory and triumph over the enemy of God and our enemy.
2: It's just such, I love that song. I, I've actually memorized all of the lyrics. It's I should a, have had you read it. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And if we understand a little bit about the time in which he was living, mm. we appreciate it all the more. He was living in a time where the plague was taking people that were near and dear to him from yes. his life. It was a life-threatening disease. Um, he was also um, being proscribed and um, condemned and vilified by the political and the religious leaders and and so often his life was in danger, people were wanting to kill him mm. um, so th- this is a man who knows what it's like to face persecution and privation and and just general hardships but he 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 says, and I, I love what you pointed out there he doesn't play down the fact that the devil's powerful, but he puts his power in context and I've got an analogy to explain this yes. um, when I was um in high school, we were living at this this house in queensland and um uh, our neighbors got a bulldozer in to clear some property. Mm. And uh, we, we, asked, we came over and we actually asked them to come and do some clearing on our land, just a little bit of um, just some scrub we needed to push back. But as we went over to ask him, we found that he just ran, ran over uh, the big bulldozer, a huge, big, I don't know if it was a D8 or something like that, but mm. ran over a big brown snake, the biggest brown snake I've ever seen. It would have been over two meters long.
1: Oh, that's And exciting.
2: it pinned it on its tail. Mm. At the end of the snake And this snake Is it powerful? Is it dangerous? Absolutely Yes But it could do nothing With this massive Massive bulldozer Parked on top of it (laughs) (laughs) Right You know So we had no fear Of that snake Because there's no way In the world It's going to be able To get out From under the massive Power and weight Of this huge bulldozer Mm. And it was powerless And if we see The devil's power In that way You know He's the serpent That serpent of old Called the devil And Satan He is powerful but God's grace is like a
1: bulldozer I mean, yeah,
2: <laughs> there's nothing that can stand in its way. God's love is powerful to transform lives and to conquer this world, to conquer hearts mm. and parked on top of the devil like that yes, um, that's how we should see the devil um yeah we, we want to stay away from the sharp end <laughs> that's true, yeah, <laughs> um but but we yeah.
1: know ultimately the the crushing is not just the tail, is it it's the crushing of the head of the serpent that's right yeah
2: that's and that's the powerful thing um. Yeah, I'm really excited about what we're going to be looking at today. Wonderful.
1: Well, look, we're talking about the power of the devil. We know that the devil is very powerful. It says that there is no equal on this earth to the devil. So, we don't we don't want to undermine that by any means. But at the same time, we also know that Christ conquered the devil at the cross. Hmm. He was cast out of heaven, he was cast to the earth, and now there's a woe upon us. We are to be careful on this planet. But at the same time, God has not left his church without any power or authority. If we go to Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said there that all authority, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them all things that I've uh, commanded you. Then he also says, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Now, when Jesus said those words, he'd already gone to the cross. He'd already been raised from the dead. And he had now given this authority. And under the authority of Christ, he was now sending out his disciples. Now, we know that Jesus prior to that, if we look at the book of Luke, Luke chapter 9, had sent out the 12 disciples. And he says there, uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons. Wow. There's no exclusion there, even Satan, over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, the word power there is the word dunamis. He says he gave them power, dunamis, and authority. The word authority there is exousia. Sometimes it's translated power, sometimes authority. But that's the same word that Jesus says all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth, exousia. So he's given that to his 12 disciples. Well, we can say, well, look, the apostles demonstrated that in their lives. But what about us? What about the other believers? Now, we see the same thing happen when Jesus in the next chapter in Luke chapter 10 sends out the seventy. And he appointed 70 others there in verse 1 and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he sent them. And then he tells them all the things they would do. Verse 9, for example, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now they come back. Now what is the report they bring back after they've been sent by Christ and returned from this missionary trips that they've been on? And verse 17 we read, and this is Luke chapter 10, verse 17, then the 70 returned with joy. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Wow. Isn't that incredible? So these are not the 12 apostles. These are not the 12 disciples. We're talking about 70 more. So these are other believers. And then Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Then he says in verse 19, and this is what we want to focus on. Behold, I give you the authority. That's the word exousia again. To trample on serpents and scorpions. Now the serpent obviously represents Satan. And over all the power of the enemy. The word power there is dunamis. God has dunamis power as well. But it doesn't say that the enemy doesn't have power. He does have power. He has dunamis power as well. But here God delegates authority to his church over the power of the enemy. And it says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Then he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. So God through his has made the spirits who are powerful subject to us. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Mm. So our connection with Christ, the fact that our names are written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life, who was slain from the foundation of the earth, enables us to have that power and authority over the power of the enemy. How do we receive that power? By believing the Word.' By We've believing just read the it, word. do we believe it? And if we do, we receive that power.
2: In our last um, study together, mm. we were looking at this this anthem of victory that runs throughout Scripture, and especially in the book of Revelation, this anthem of victory, it's so powerful. Yes. And it says, to the to the one who overcomes, to him who overcomes, the one who overcomes will inherit all things. And there's this beautiful tone of victory. Mm. And really what we're doing today is we're asking, okay, what does it mean to have victory? What does it mean to be an overcomer? And we've started our our presentation today, and we've realized that, we, are, we can, by God's grace, overcome the devil and his angels You know, so many people are afraid of the devil mm. And God wants us to know very clearly I'm calling you to be an overcomer You can be an overcomer And even the devil himself um, will have to fall by the wayside
1: That's right, yeah He will flee from you You know, we read that text in the, the previous program in uh, James chapter 4 and verse 7 It says, submit yourself therefore to God Resist the devil and he will flee from you from you He
2: will flee from you
1: So these people When they came back The seventy, They said that Even the devils Are subject to us In your name In the name of Jesus Christ No other name given Among men Under heaven Whereby we must be saved
2: It's interesting In Psalm chapter 18 And verse 10 It says The name of the Lord Is a strong tower mm. The righteous run into it And they're safe A bulwark Never yeah, failing That's right That's yeah. right uh, Just a It's beautiful The power of, of God's name
1: You know when When it talks about Christ going out conquering and to conquer We know that Satan was defeated at the cross He was trying to kill Jesus But what he was trying to do Is put so much torture and pain upon him That he would actually abandon the cross And then save himself But he couldn't save himself And save mankind at the same time So his love For us, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's love for us was was the reason why he stayed on the cross. He'd rather die himself than have humanity die eternally and be separated eternally from God. Wow. So that incredible crushing of the serpent's head, the conquering took place there. But there's more conquering that takes place. Now, I want to read just from Romans chapter 16 and just look at the tense, the tense as, as we read this. Uh, Romans chapter 16 verse 20 It says And the God of peace So who? It's the God of peace Will crush Satan under your feet shortly Paul writing to the church in Romans Says that God will shortly crush Satan under your feet Now it's not the church doing it by their own strength It's God doing it through the church And it says The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all Amen So the conquering and to conquer The to conquer Still happens in the church today and it will happen right through to the end until Satan is finally even crushed under the feet of God's believers, God's faithful.
2: Isn't this interesting? The God of peace mm. will crush. <laughs> it's a very interesting thing here. We we have to um, maybe go back a few of our uh, our studies and the way that God conquers. Yes. So the God of peace will crush. It's mm. the weight of his goodness and grace revealed in the life of his church is is. It's a weight that just crushes all of the, the 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 evil, selfish evil in the world, and brings the devil to an end. And I think sometimes we forget that as God's people, we are actually we're part of His strategy to defeat defeat the devil. Sometimes we, and though it's true, um, Christ came to save the world. We sometimes forget that He's asked us to be a part of this whole. Conquering of the devil And when Jesus lives Inside of our lives mm. We become We live the life of Christ And we do the works of Christ And we actually Participate in the conquering Of Satan and What does that look like It's not going around Beating people over the heads With Bibles That's for sure yes. It's it's laying down our lives In selflessness Under all circumstances Putting God's word Above everything else mm. Amen And loving people Even though it may cost our lives mm. And when we do that The message that just emanates from our life Is it defeats the devil Over and over again All of his accusations that he's made He says, you know, know, Braden doesn't serve you For the right reasons And then God transforms my life
1: Mm. And
2: selflessness is seen in my life The devil's arguments are crushed His power, his influence Is crushed And it comes to the place where he's got no power over us anymore Mm. He can change our circumstances He may May Take loved ones from us But nothing can shake our relationship with God And at that point, he's got no power His power is crushed
1: Because we see this in the light of the great controversy And I think you're bringing out that theme there Where we have an alternative government An alternative way of living Being presented by Satan Versus what God said God's law is a law of self-sacrificing love Lucifer became selfish He became egocentric he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to sit where God sat. And, of course, the law of selfless love did not permit him. You cannot have any other gods before the God who is the creator of heaven and earth. So he then masks his uh, his motives and he says, well, look, the beings are holy. They don't need a, a law. The law will actually arbitrarily restrict their freedoms and their liberties that they've had up till now. We need to get rid of the law. Why does he want to get rid of the law? Because he wants to be God as well, and the law doesn't allow him to do that. So he wants to overthrow the government of God. And if we read there in Revelation chapter 12, it says there was war in heaven. The word for war there is polemos. It was a political war. It's a war of different ideologies. It's a one that attacks God's kingdom. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a perfect kingdom of love. And as we now demonstrate this law of love manifest in our lives, Through the Holy Spirit Which is given to us It says that the love of God Is poured out in our hearts Through the Holy Spirit We actually unmask the devil Because we demonstrate the fact That we can be loving Lovable Happy Christians Who have the peace of God On our hearts That's right And that unmasks His lies and deception We actually demonstrate the fact That we don't feel restricted The Bible talks about This law of God As the law of liberty The devil says No it's a law That's like a cage It shuts you in It takes away your liberty no, God offers us freedom, freedom of choice You know, there's a, there's a, there was a song written in the 70s I think it was the 70s I think it's called Hotel California Which is talking about the start of the satanic church in um, San Francisco And there that, 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 that song says you can check in any time, but you can never leave And the devil wants to keep us captive mm, But does. God has come to set us free You know, if you come to the Lord as you are You know you can choose any time you want to walk away from God And God will honor your, uh, your decision? If, the, if you are on the devil's side and you want to leave He will do everything in his power to restrict your liberty To say, no, I want to choose Christ And I want to follow him because he loved me and gave himself for me
2: And isn't, this is such a very important thing for us to look at here um, And I think there's a verse in Second Corinthians chapter 10 Which really highlights this We've mm. got two very different governments in operation Yes, And we are called to be conquerors We're called to um yeah, to be to be conquering evil in the world. But think about the different ways that people have gone about that in history. You know, in Martin Luther's time, um, the the religious and the political world of that that time, they would resort to burning people to death, mm. um, tying people between horses and tearing them limb from limb, trying to oppose what they viewed as bad. And that is a terrible, terrible thing. They're resorting to. Carnal weapons Mm. They're resorting to the devil's tactics to accomplish The goal and whenever Christians Start picking up the devil's Weapons to accomplish God's Goals we are in a world of hurt And if a lot of the time We scratch our heads you know Christian history Is just littered with terrible Accounts um, as is Pretty much any history (laughs) um, Of of just abuse Of power and, And just doing things the wrong way and why is that? It's because these people are trying to achieve God's goals with the devil's means. And there's a beautiful verse here okay. in, in um, 2 Corinthians 10. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Mm. So they're a different type of weapon. They are weapons, but they're not carnal weapons. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Okay. So these are effective weapons. Yeah. But they're different, mm. different weapons. So these strongholds, what would they be? We could apply them to to several things, I guess. Mm. Um, we have, but but in the context of this verse, it's strongholds of of lies, strongholds yes. of fear, strongholds. Any stronghold that the devil has that locks people down
1: So the lies of the devil basically The
2: lies of the devil So just like in Revelation chapter 12 There was polemos in heaven There's war in heaven Mm. This is a war of ideas Yes. This is not swinging lightsabers around This is a war of ideas Truth versus lies And so here we have The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What mm. are these strongholds? Casting down arguments. Okay, so the
1: arguments of the devil and those who have been influenced by the concepts and the thoughts and ideas and ideologies of the devil. That's right. Yeah. And
2: every high thing or every proud thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God.
1: Okay, so he misrepresents God to the people, and this then actually counters that, but brings that, that true knowledge of what God is like, who He is. That's and right. why, we, why we'd want to love him.
2: And it says here, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Mm. So th- it's interesting. We've looked so far that we've got an external battle. We've got the devil and his angels that are working to destroy us. But I tell you what, a greater battle is the battle within. Yes, It's the battle inside of our minds. And the, the battle against self is the greatest Battle that ever was fought, mm. and I just remember a quote that Martin Luther himself said. Yes, because um, if you know anything of history, you'll know that Martin Luther had some big conflicts with the religious leaders of his day. Yes, um, they wanted tradition to be on the platform of of, of exoneration, but he mm. wanted the Bible to be on the platform, and um, the Pope actually wanted to kill him. Yes, but one thing that Martin Luther said, he says, the, the biggest Pope that I have is my own selfish heart." Mm. So he basically realized the greatest enemy, the greatest opposition to God's truth is not this man down sitting on the papal throne in Italy. Yes. The greatest problem I have is my own heart. And so here we have that every thought can be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's how extensive God's victory is. Mm. So extensive. It even can bring our thoughts into subjection.
1: So what you're saying there that, you know, it, it can cast down arguments and things, so it can do it externally, but it can also do it internally, anything that within us that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So this could even be us taking the throne of our own lives, saying I'm in control, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do, I'm going to, how I spend my money, where I spend my time, who I associate with. Instead of asking God, Lord, what is your will for my life, we can actually be exalting ourselves against the knowledge of God. Because as we've said in previous programs, to know God is to love God and to know God is to trust God. That's right. And that's where faith comes in. And then even when it comes back to our mind and our thoughts, we can actually surrender that and we can bring those thoughts into captivity to the beings of Christ. I quite like that thing, but that's a willing captivity, isn't it? It's a willing captivity.
2: Mm. It's it's held by the chains and cords of love. (laughs) Um, It's it's interesting. Paul himself said, "Um, for the love of Christ constrains us. The yes. love of Christ compels us. So this is the only thing that God used to, in, to influence us. It's his love. Hmm. No no means of coercion.
1: Okay, so there's an external battle, but there's also the internal battle. And we're in the book of Corinthians, but let's go to the first book of Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. We read these verses. Paul says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. So here it talks about that personal battle you're saying the biggest battle I ever fought will be the battle with self. We have a egocentric nature, which is contrary to the constitution and government of God, which is based on self-sacrificing love. Our love is egocentric. I like you, Braden, because you make me feel good when I'm in your company. You know, you sometimes tell me that you know I uh, I did well in this or I did well in that or I've got a talent in this, and because I feel good because you tell me all that stuff, I actually like you as a person. That is actually an egocentric motivation for me to like you, isn't it? It is, yeah. But if I like you simply because of the principle that God loves you, he created you, he redeemed you, you are his property, and I've got to treat his property with respect and love, that's a different motivation.
2: It's a totally different, yeah.
1: It's not one that comes from what you can do for me but rather what I can do for you. And, you know, the the Bible talks about that we have to have this mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, That's uh, Philippians 2, verse 5. But in Philippians 2, verse 3, only two verses back, it says that we are to esteem others better than ourselves. That is not natural to us because we are egocentric. But when the love of God is poured out in our lives, when we see the love of God for us, then we can start... By that same principle, live and demonstrate the love of God for others. Absolutely, mm. I love
2: that. Mm. This verse that you've just brought up here it says, "I discipline my body and bring it into subjection." And that the word there, discipline, it's, it's. I think the Greek brings out this imagery of beating black and blue. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's, um, <laughs> if if you know that happens on the streets of most cities where people get unfortunately beaten up. Mm. Um, and some people get knocked unconscious. Paul identifies his enemy. Um, he recognizes that his own body, his own thoughts and 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 self, you know, he's got a problem there. And he actually does not let his body tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. How often does our body tell us what to do? You know, we've got so many cravings. All these different things we want. You know, they can be just our appetites, sexual cravings, all these different things, and. The worst thing in the world to do is just to follow what our body says. For Paul, he recognized that even his body and all of its cravings, he recognized that that doesn't need to be in control and he can overcome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm, That is beautiful. So the the, the issue we have is to bring discipline to our body. Now, there's some things we cannot do for ourselves. For example— can someone that is unclean bring something clean out of it? You know, can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard change his spot? Then you who are accustomed to do evil, likewise, then you go and do good. Well, we can't. But there are some things that God has given us natural ability to, uh, to do anyway. We look, for example, you look at um, people who are athletes who maybe want to compete in the Olympics for that crown of glory. You know, they want to have the gold. They will go through incredible disciplines, which has got nothing to do with the spiritual matter. Incredible disciplines in diet, in exercise, in sleep To obtain that corruptible crown, as Paul puts it So there are some things that we can make a decision on for ourselves And we have the power to choose Is there sometimes a a temptation there to want to let God do the things He's already given us the power to do?
2: Yep, absolutely Sometimes we want God to do what we can do And we want to do what God alone can do Mm. And that's where our confusion comes from
1: Okay, well I think we're going to have to unpack that in our next program So dear listener, we pray that God bless you today Just with this thought and concept of Christ going to conquer And conquering And how he can do this through his church By us surrendering and submitting our will to him That we, yes, we do have a powerful foe Um, He does seek to work us woe But his power and might, although it's great And he's armed with cruel hate He will not win the battle So we pray that God will bless you Until we meet again next time
0: For joining us on Faith to Faith. If you would like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 024973 3456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page.